This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Washington takes on Arizona with a 2.30 kickoff in Husky Stadium. Still a little bit of bad air back home, guys. Yeah, it's not great. Um, yep. It, there was a there was an AQI warning for yesterday, um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, I guess we'll see what it's like come game time. But uh, yeah, it hasn't it hasn't been great the last day or so. Let, let's just put it this way, Kim. Uh, my kids are with Grandma and Grandpa today, and they have uh, been instructed by my wife not to let the boys go play outside. So, and you told them you it was cool if they wanted to go play outside, right? Nope. Nope. <laughs> no, it's it's really bad, especially over here on the east side. It's really bad. It's supposed to be up in the like unhealthy for everybody kind of thing. Yeah. All right. And then, um, you know, like you said, two thirty kickoff. So hopefully it clears up a little bit. The traffic's going to be a mess, you know, for those going to the game. Leave early, and then when you take a look at this game, uh, would it be fair to characterize Washington's defense as a mass unit right now? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, um, you know, I talked to Juice Brown on Wednesday and he said, we haven't started the same guys in the secondary yet. You know, it, it's been seven straight uh, weeks of a different lineup and we're going to have another one this week. So, um, you know, and then and then there's some rumors that uh, w- one of the starters might be out. So, you know, lots of stuff going on on that front. Um you know, it, it's just it's it's not a good situation for Washington on a health standpoint. I know some guys are getting healthier, but the guys that are playing are getting hurt. So uh, it's it, I think a mash unit is a perfect dis- description of that side of the ball. I don't see it getting better anytime soon, Chris. I, they've got Arizona today, Cal next weekend. That much needed by and boy, they really need it at this point in time, especially on the defensive side. Yeah, they do. And I was a little surprised that um, Coach Brown was so forthcoming and and basically talking about it in those terms. He was essentially just kind of conceding that today we're going to see a totally different lineup, just like we have seen a totally different lineup the last six weeks, which kind of we were talking, Scott and I were talking about it on Thursday. Does that mean that Elijah Jackson isn't, isn't making it back? Or does that mean someone else is out? I mean, it's just... It just kind of boggles the mind that every time it feels like guys are getting healthier because Jordan Perryman's starting to come back, he look he's starting to look like the guy that we saw in spring and fall. Um, you know, Mish Powell I have no literally no idea. He could be out 
I assume if if he was out the rest of the season, DeBoer would say that. But it, it's it's kind of week to week. But he's certainly not uh, improving or getting to the point where he's available. But you never know. Um, you know, Alex Cook and 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 Asa Turner's obviously been out a little bit. You know, it just doesn't feel like there's been any continuity for obvious reasons, and that has just been such a huge concern for a, a unit that we thought was probably going to be one of the strengths of the team, with, with but with a huge unknown, and that was the one at cornerback. And unfortunately, all the guys that have been trying to, to make it happen at cornerback, whether you're talking about a Julius Irvin going there or Devon Banks trying to get in there, you know... Um, you know, there's just it just hasn't, you know, Elijah Jackson coming coming in and trying some things for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked. And and obviously a lot of that is youth. But um, obviously, the other thing that we're seeing right now is none of those guys, it, it looks like, have really been 100 percent healthy this entire time. Well, at the beginning of uh, spring ball, the coaches, you know, was talking about how they had the lack of depth, <clears throat> specifically at corner, losing Kyler Gordon and um, McDuffie then you replace those guys with a transfer from UC Davis and a former walk-on. Those guys get dinged up. And then your starter is a guy who's been converted over to safety. And then you're looking at freshmen and redshirt freshmen, and they've been hurt quite a bit as well. Elijah Jackson, another redshirt freshman, he's been hurt. And then you take a look at the safety position. And Alex Cook is the only one who's you know stayed relatively healthy. You're starting, you know, um, a guy who's a former wide receiver as safety. Asa Turner has been dinged up. Uh, Cam Williams has decided to redshirt. Uh, Cameron Fabikulanen, not a lot of experience. So that secondary, man, I mean, you're just trying to put things together with bubble gum and, you know, bailing wire and some super glue and some spit and Elmer's glue and whatever you can just to keep guys on the field and guys healthy. And, you, when you talk about guys that Washington has had in the past, the thing that they had going for them is they had a lot of continuity because they played so long together. But right now, that secondary is a mess, and you're facing a quarterback who pretty much carved him up last year in Jaden Delora. Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, just, it just it makes the decision uh, from Cameron Williams even more baffling. I mean, he's got you know, he's got two eyes. He's been out there. He works with these guys. He knows what the, he knows what the shot is. It just it's just baffling to me because we talk about it. The only guys that have been relatively healthy this whole season have been Alex Cook to to a certain extent, and then uh, uh, Dom Hampton, and that's really been it. And you know you can't rely on those two guys to 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 run your entire defense when you run a nickel base. It's just it's just I mean just look at the numbers. They're not working. So. If you're Cameron Williams and you've made this decision and these guys are literally your your teammates are literally falling down all around you, what what are you thinking? I just I don't get it. And of course, I think I it's pretty obvious what he's in. thinking. I think, I, I think it's obvious as hell what he's thinking. I'm going elsewhere next year. Yeah. Well, but if that's the case, then just say that. You know, don't I mean there's no reason for this red shirt this and I'm gonna wait. Just well, do yeah. it. Just cut. Take well, the band off. He can't enter the portal, though. He can't. I mean, yeah. he can but say he's but leaving. But. Guys, it doesn't matter. That to me, those are just those are just minute details. The overall thing is, if you say you're going to leave, then just go ahead and leave. What makes you think he has? And I haven't. Have you seen him with the team? Has he left the team? I haven't. I haven't taken a look, honestly. I mean, he's so far out of mind in terms of the practical he, part he may, on the he field. Have, 
he may have left the team already. I know if I'm a coach and he's deciding to redshirt, I'm going, yeah, well, you're not playing then. So I mean, well, I think, you know, I think okay. that we're all we're all pretty much on the same page on that. I just don't we'll find to out. me we'll find out it feels weird. The decision feels weird, especially for a guy that played a lot as a true freshman. Him and Turner looked like they were going to be the future at the position, and now that's it's anything but that. Yeah, we'll see if he's uh, suited up today, and we'll make sure and take a look at the sidelines for that. But then again, you take a look at uh, the linebacker position, and I don't think they've played bad. I thought Cam Bright was okay last week. Uh, Carson Bruner was okay last week. Alfonso Tupatala is still fighting a little bit of an injury. He's got a club on his hand, but I don't think the linebacker play has been that bad. It it hasn't been bad, um, and, and Chuck Morrell said on Monday that he felt – that the game on Saturday was Cam Bright's best since he arrived. And then we walked, we talked to him on Tuesday and he said, he told, uh, he told me straight out that it's taken him a while to learn the different position because he was playing the Husky position before. And now he's playing the will linebacker spot. And he said, it's just completely different. My reads are different. The, the things I'm looking for are different and I'm having to cover different guys out of the backfield and that I wasn't covering before and things like that. So, uh, just a lot of different things for him to pick up, but he said he's really started to feel comfortable with that. The light switch has come on for him a little bit and that's why you're seeing him play a little bit faster. Hey, Scott, when uh, you take a look at Go Husky, I think they've got uh, Tupatala listed at 238. He flat out told me he's running between 211 and 213. So uh, I don't know if he's put on any weight since the beginning of spring ball, but uh, he's not the biggest linebacker out there either. No, he isn't. And and he's playing the Mike position. So it's it's kind of interesting to, to look at that. I think he'd be better off at playing the Will, Bruner at the, Bruner at the Mike, and then maybe slide um, – slide uh cam bright out to husky if if they've got a spot open there but um yeah i mean that's what you could start seeing i don't know if yeah, runner seems to be playing a lot of snaps at linebacker but he's also a special uh team's demon he's probably the is he, is he you've got to think he's the best special teams player they have right now well him and devon banks those have been the two guys that have been laying the wood on the uh coverage teams so, and when yeah. you take when you take a look at the position that's impacting the back end as well as, you know, midfield with the linebackers, uh, defensive line is not only short on bodies, but they're small and now they're beat up as well. Uh, Tuli Latola Gasanoa was on a heavy pitch count. We didn't see him last week until the second quarter, well into the second quarter. Uh, MJ Ole, we didn't see it all last week. And uh, yeah. Uh, Javon Parker, the uh, freshman, I, did he start? Yes. I don't know if he started. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was pretty that, like I think all of us were like Javon Parker's in there. What's going on? Yeah, well, they just don't have the guys. And when you take yeah. a look at the size of that defensive line, you, you're not seeing a guy like Elijah Qualls, a Greg Gaines, uh, a Vita Vea. They don't have any of those run stuffers uh, on that defensive line. Argy Tuli is one of those guys, but he's not at the level of the, any of those other guys. But they could really use, you know, a stopper in the middle that they just don't have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, uh, Ollie is supposed to be that guy, and he could be that guy. And they felt he was coming along, but he had he had suffered another injury um, that had uh, it wasn't the same one as what he was struggling with in in uh, fall camp when he got injured and uh, had to come back from that. So you know, and, and he, you got to remember he's only gotten what five games now at at the defensive tackle spot so it, from a technique standpoint he's still a ways away from being able to be the guy that i think he can be 
uh, given his size and athleticism. I know that people are talking about I, the easiest thing for a fan to do is call for coaches to be fired and coaches to be changed. But I'm not sure that there's a scheme or, you know, a, a different coaches at this point in time are really going to matter with the personnel that they have uh, and the lack of personnel that they have. They're undermanned and they're undersized on defense. And Scott, we've heard Courtney Morgan say several times, you know, one of the goals is they need to get bigger. And when you take a look at Courtney, they could use about five guys the size of Courtney Morgan right now. Yeah, yeah bigger and longer. They need guys with longer arms and to, to play the scheme they want to play. And, and uh, I mean, they, the guys who are doing it, um, who are playing on the team now, I think can get it done. But uh, you know, it's just it, it makes things so much easier when they have longer arms and they're longer bodies and, and they're bigger. And uh, right now they don't have that, Kim, like you said. Well, I call Courtney and Vita Vea and Greg Gaines. They're two ca- two gap kind of bodies. Um, and Washington doesn't have many of those right now. And I don't know if there's any on really on the recruiting list right now. No, I, those guys don't go on grow on trees for the people who follow basketball recruiting. I mean, how many? You know, 6'11", 225, 230-pound guys, do they have on that list? They don't grow on trees. Everybody wants those guys. So it's it's really tough to come out and get them. And the problem is that what is the biggest difference between the SEC and everybody else? And big. it's that they, they grow big offensive and defensive linemen, big physical guys down there who are athletic, who can, who can get it done. And one of the separations between the SEC and the rest of the country is their line, their their line plays on both sides of the ball. And out west, it's just the, the pickings are real slim. The problem is the guys who are the big time athletes, big physical guys, are are mostly guys who are going to be at some of those um, inner city schools and and you know you're, you'll you'll get a few here and there a few offensive linemen here or there out in the out in the out in the boonies and things like that but the problem is a lot of those kids don't even end up turning out for some of those city league schools or they or they have grade problems or they have bad coaching or anything like that and so it's really it's really a gamble for some of these coaches to go out and try and find guys who are in the 65 300 pound range coming out of high school that are going to be able to run and play defensive tackle and and out here in the west that just isn't just doesn't happen very often and i mean if you look at the rankings for recruiting uh when, when you look at the rankings like i'd say nine out of ten of the guys in the top 10 are all going to be west of texas and or i'm sorry east of texas and washington isn't going to be big players for those guys. So they've got to go out and figure out ways to find find guys and 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 bring them in and fit them into their system. And right now that isn't the case. Well, I, I, I would give one caveat to that. Washington did go in and get Anthony James. So all it takes is one one guys. And if they can get one DL out of Texas, you know, if they're able to find their next Levi Anzarike, for instance, problem solved. But what I was going to ask real quick, Scott, is 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 Sua Lafotu is he supposedly playing defensive line or is he going to be on the offensive line? He's he uh, you're talking the one from St. John Bosco, correct? Yes. Yeah, he's a defensive lineman. So you've got him, and then you've got Alenius Davis. Uh huh. So they've got two guys. They're not. I mean, they're not in that Vita Vea range, but they're more in the Greg Gaines range, the six three, six four, two eighty five, two ninety five when they come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't need to have the Vita Vea types every time. You can get away with Greg Gaines types. 
We've seen it before, yeah. but you have to yeah. get great games. And so the only, the only, you know, not only do you have those guys, but now all of a sudden you have the other Parker twin. You have Amon Parker coming in, so that'll be almost like a new signing. So you've 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 got bodies coming in, guys. It's just a matter of whether or not they end up being the right guys. We Chris, we had like, no idea if Greg Gaines was going to be the right guy when they brought him over when because he, he was a Boise State guy. No he one was knew. A four year starter. Yeah, he turned out to be phenomenal. So Chris, it's just, like Lorenzo Romar said, you know, getting bigs that are ready to play. He says there's three ways to get them. You can have them local where they choose the hometown school. You can pay them, and Washington doesn't do that. Or you can get them and develop them. He goes, that's the three ways to get them. And since Washington's not paying guys right now, you're either going to have to get the local guys or bring those guys in and develop them. Well, I don't. The whole I don't know about the the pay thing is is so out the window now because with NIL and everything else, you can if you become a cult like figure or if you become a superstar, all that stuff will come with it. It doesn't matter, and especially if you're in a in the Seattle market, that can happen. Yeah, that can happen. It's happened with Penix. Penix threw out the first pitch in a Mariners game recently. These things these things will work for you if you perform on the field. That that will come with it. But yeah, the, by and large, Washington has always been especially good from Peterson on down to now of finding guys that that really fit what their criteria is in their evaluations, and then they develop the crap out of them. And then, and then they shoot them to the pros. And then they keep doing that because they can keep recruiting guys, telling them, hey, look at the guys in the pros. Look at the Greg Gaineses. Look at the Trent McDuffies. Look at the Buda Bakers. Look at all these guys that we've put in the pros. You can be that next guy. Well, the good news is Washington's off, you know, defensive line, you know, a little bit light, but uh, Arizona's been struggling with their offensive line. But, you know, Jaden Delora, again, post, you know, the flag in the middle of the field last year after defeating Washington while he was a quarterback at Washington State. It'll be interesting to see how that game plans out, uh, pans out, because Jason Delora, Jaden Delora really uh, tore Washington up last year um, at <laughs> And I don't know how much of that was, you know, the team had just decided to mail it in. I don't know. You know, it's it's interesting, guys, because everything we've heard and 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 Jason Shearer was been, he was great about it talking to you this week in terms of kind of explaining Dolores regret over that decision. And it's something if he had had a chance to do over again, he wouldn't have done it. That's all well and good. But I'm wondering Obviously, he's going to get a bad reception at Husky Stadium, but every quarterback that plays playing the Huskies would would get one anyway. So that to me, that's that's a wash. But what I wonder is how much does this play on his head? Does this do anything to him mentally? I don't necessarily expect it to take him out of his game. I really I, I would I'd expect Washington to do to do that more than him. Because I think the the edge players and the defensive linemen and the guys that can make his life hell in the backfield are going to be motivated by what happened to do that. And and again, I don't necessarily think that those are feelings that linger the entire game. I think those are things where you have to get that out of your system the first few series and then you play. But I just wonder on him personally, I wonder if that's going to have an effect on anything. 
Hey, Scott, I think if Arizona is able to come in and beat Washington, Jaden Delora would not hesitate in the least to go ahead and plant an Arizona flag at midfield again. I think he'd do it 10 times out of 10. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why you'd say that, Kim. No, I, I, I think. Look, think about think about how long it had been since Washington State had beaten Washington. These kids and they didn't play in 2020. And I think that 2020 Washington State team felt they could beat Washington. And so that there was a bunch of pent up. I'm not saying what he did was right. He shouldn't have done it. But I can understand why it happened. They put a huge chip on their shoulders. They came in. They beat the crud out of a team who, like you said, Kim had given up and packed it in. And and Alex Cook said it himself. He said, we were a 4-8 and eight team who were battered and beaten, man. And for you to go do that, I, that was just disrespectful. I mean, what really? You got satisfaction out of that and i'm like uh, yeah they did because they had been had the crud beaten out of them for eight straight years by washington so i don't think arizona does it because i think jed fish has already told them you do not plant that flag if, I, you, if we beat them you are not doing that do they even do, do, would a team like arizona even bring a flag i know why washington state does it's still one from the cheerleaders yeah no it's not happening <laughs> they, Kim. i, I, I don't i'd be surprised if arizona even has a flag on you know yeah. let's just put it this way i don't think he'll have the opportunity to plant a flag well this is a guy who hopes if washington is able to go to wazoo or oregon that they do it at one of those two schools i love that stuff no, yeah, but again, it'll that's, never that's, happen. Yeah, that's that Northwest. That's Northwest stuff. I don't think that's anything that has anything to do with Arizona. I just love that stuff. You know, heat up the rivalry. Just throw gasoline on it. I'm big on that stuff. So. Well, but what rivalry? That's the question. Uh, what are we talking about here? Well, that's what would make it worse because there is no rivalry with Arizona. Yeah. But uh, when we take a look at the offensive side of the ball, they get to go against. I don't know how to describe the defensive coordinator at uh, Arizona, but I think we all rolled our eyes when we saw him named as a defensive coordinator, former Husky assistant. Uh, We'll talk about that more when we return. It's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back. I'm Kim Grenolds with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund, Arizona, with a 2.30 kickoff at Husky Stadium today, facing former Washington assistant coach as defensive coordinator of the Arizona Wildcat. Johnny Nansen is... Uh, the defensive coordinator at Arizona. Scott, what was your initial reaction when you heard that hire? Well, I was a little surprised. Well, not that he was hired, but that, that he was hired as the defensive coordinator. Yeah, a little surprised. I didn't, A, I didn't know that he really had that as one of his wants to do. 
Um, and, and B, I just didn't see him as a defensive coordinator. That being said, I like Johnny Nansen, you know, I, I know there's some people who don't, don't like him because they, because of, you know, some of the things he did when, when he was here and, um, and then down at, uh, USC, you know, getting, getting, uh, the kid, the, uh, I can't remember the kid's name Tui Tui Pelotu or whatever, um, and all that different stuff, but. I always liked Johnny and, and Chris, you and I were up there in the press box last year when UCLA came up to Washington and he talked with us for a good half hour, 45 minutes and just sat up there and chilled with us. And he, I think overall, I think deep down, he's a pretty good guy. He just, you know, he's a competitive guy too. Hey Scott, um, you can slam Johnny Nansen for a lot of things when he did here. He brought a lot of guys in a lot of yeah. hot end guys. Yeah, yeah, he did. And then when he was let go and uh, Tosh Lapar, I guess he moved to linebacker. Where did he move? Was he running backs coach under Sark the last year? He did, when he, Tosh did came? he did coach on both sides of the ball. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that he was the running backs coach. I can't, I'm not 100% sure on that. But when Tosh came in, he got replaced uh, or he replaced uh, Johnny Nansen along the defensive line. I always thought I always wondered why a guy who played linebacker didn't just move to linebacker linebackers coach but then again they they brought in sermons so i don't know you know it, it is what it is and uh um but he he did he did bring a lot of good players in that washington was able to use is he john was he the guy who brought in john ross well that it was the same high school but that was that was uh um sark and um who who eric what was his last name i can't yarber Yar, no not yarber uh, he was, uh, you know, Yarber's, uh, African-American. This guy was a white guy. Uh, he was from Cal. He was the OC at Cal. Um, was it- oh, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally drawing a blank, but anyway, he was a really good wide receiver recruiter. And so it was Sark and him and, and Johnny Nansen were probably all uh, kind of triple team in that one. Yeah. Cause I thought, uh, Nansen had a real good relationship with John Ross's dad, but you know, make no mistake about that it. wouldn't surprise me. Johnny. <laughs> Don't you remember the story about the bus outside? No. Oh, we'll go there. We'll talk it was about uh, it was Eric Keesaw. Oh, uh, Eric Keesaw. That's right. Yep. yep. Yeah, but uh, like you know, Chris, what was your first reaction when you heard Johnny Nansen had been hired as a defensive coordinator down there? Well, that he's got a wealth of experience in the Pac-12, and you know, and it, whatever you want to think about Johnny Nansen, he's not he's not a dumb coach. He's coached a lot of different positions over the years. Um, you know, he's coached running backs, he's coached corners, he's coached linebackers, he's coached defensive line, you know, he's he's coached both sides of the ball. He's got a great uh, breadth of knowledge. I mean, he's coached at, you know, Washington, USC and UCLA and now Arizona. So he's got he's got the Pac-12 land, landscape covered. And then, like you guys said, and I think it was also echoed, echoed by Jason Shear that, um you know, he was probably primarily brought in to recruit. So in that sense, it almost feels like, okay, are you taking a hit this year just so you can jumpstart your recruiting effort for this time going forward? I That part of it didn't necessarily make a hundred percent sense to me. Um, you know, and the other thing is, is it's a little, it was a little interesting because he really hadn't been a coordinator before, even though he'd been like assistant head coaches in the past, both at Washington and SC, but he had never really been a coordinator before. So in that sense, it was a little bit of a, an interesting move as well. But 
clearly Jed Fish thought that he was ready for the uh, opportunity, so he rolled with it. And it looks like Arizona suffering some of the same issues Washington is, just a lack of guys and a lack of size up front in that defensive line. You know, talking to Jason Shear, I mean, how how would how is Washington going to defend that uh, you know, attack that Arizona defense? And it sounds like pretty much any way you want, they're just really, really, really bad. So I'm expecting Washington to just start running the ball as long as they possibly can. Yeah, I think uh, running the ball, I think if I went back and looked at the running defense stats nationally, I want to say they're around 127th. So clearly this team can be had on the ground. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt about it. Um, You know, it, it is interesting, too, because, you know, I went back this week and watched uh, Arizona's game at Cal. And that's where Jay Knott, the freshman running back, who's really, really good. He's better than any running back Washington has right now, in my opinion. He ran for 274 yards. Um, You know, this feels like a game that's just tailor-made for a Cameron Davis to have a 100-yard game. Or or a Wayne Talapapa to have a 100-yard game. Um, It would be nice to see Richard Newton come back. And have a game because this is a game where you can be physical, you can run between the tackles, and you can rip off some nice chunks. And then you never know, a guy like a Will Nixon could emerge. This feels like a game where he could get out into some space and create some problems. Or Sam Adams. I mean, they're just a, there's a number of running backs where this game feels like it could be their get-right game or their breakout game. So we'll see what happens today. But I think... Um, you know, if, if I'm Ryan Grubb, I'm looking at that that front seven on Arizona and going, yeah, we we got it. We got to go Ginsu style on these guys because that's just they're ripe for the taking. You get that running game going, and then Michael Penix over the top to Roma Dunsey and Jalen McMillan. That just seems like that we could see a lot of that today. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, I mean, we we're we're all armchair coordinators, but if we can see it, then. You know, I, I guarantee you Ryan Grubb and every other coordinator in, in, in the Pac-12 is seeing that. And, and OK, now it's just a matter of we've got the bigger picture. How do we turn that into the smaller pictures that can that can create that vision for success? And, you know, these guys are really, really good, Kim. They put up points every single game. I think the low was at UCLA and that was still 32 points. And if they had gotten the ball back, they probably would have scored again. So. Yeah, I I just don't see Arizona denying Washington on offense. It's just, I think, a matter of whether or not the Huskies can get out to an early lead and then get out far enough where they can kind of keep Arizona at bay, so to speak. Just, you know, they're not going to stop Delora. They're not going to do that kind of stuff. But if they can get that, if they can jump out to an early lead like they've been good at, so far this season, that could be the difference. And Scott, I just see them handing the ball off and going left side behind Jackson Kirkland and uh, and uh, Troy Fautanu. I just see him going left side all day long. Yeah, why wouldn't you? They they had success on that last last week. Chris and I talked about it on Thursday that uh, their two big runs came off of the left side just between uh, and they were literally run right. I think they were the same running play. I could be wrong on that, but. The two runs, one for uh, Richard Newton for about 30 yards and and uh, Cam Cam Williams for four, what was it 40 41 whatever it was that he that he 
took off and, and got that. I, I don't see why you wouldn't just want to run behind those guys until they couldn't until either those guys get gassed and one of them has to be pulled out or um, or uh, Arizona throws eight guys over there to, to try <laughs> to try and stop it. After the game, Wayne Talapapa obviously was limping, you know, with an ankle and he didn't return after he was taken off the field. Cam Davis looked healthy. Richard Newton looked like he just got rocked, you know, and um, I'm guessing that was a concussion. So I'm not sure what the concussion protocol is on that, but we'll see if he does indeed suit up. Sam Adams and Coach DeBoer admitted this, you know, Sam Adams saw the field, not because he was part of the game plan, but out of necessity and the guy we still haven't seen, you know, and after spring ball, I think we're all kind of surprised. We have not had a Richard, uh, excuse me, Aaron Dumas sighting at all. Nope, nope. He, and he really hasn't been dressed that I remember. So, yeah, him or Sunday, him or JV on Sunday. Yeah, well, Sunday, um, the coaches have said, I mean, they pretty much, you know, have said, you know, he doesn't know where to line up. And he doesn't know the playbook. And that's the issue with him because they expect so much more out of the running backs other than just handing him the ball. But they didn't hesitate. when Sam Adams was in there, they didn't hesitate to give him the ball on a couple of different ways with a swing pass and as well as handing the ball off to him. Yeah, I think they just they, they probably have a couple of plays that, um, you know, that Lee Marks knows, hey, Sam Adams executes this one pretty well. Let's let's run this one to him. See what we can do. Yeah, but with those running backs back there, you know, one of the things that uh, Penix has been really good at and been praised quite a bit is calling for the protection, switching sides on the protections. And you can see him pre-snap moving his running back one way or another. And you just wonder if the guys a little bit lower on the depth chart are familiar enough with the offense that they would understand those check downs. Yeah, it's it's hard to say, um, you know, and, and it's obvious that the coaches haven't felt comfortable with them and they're doing that. Yeah. And Scott, I know one of the guys that's driven you nuts at times has been Devin Culp. Uh, not the best hands, but I, th- I thought Devin has done a really, really good job the last few weeks. Absolutely has. He's he's the caught the ball pretty well, yeah, and and made some really nice catches and and some really nice run after the run after the catch that he's had. So um, ha- haven't I mean, it, for all the foibles that we could that we could pick out about some of the mistakes that were made, I haven't seen any by Devin Culp at least at least as far as being a wide receiver. Yeah, and Chris, when you take a look at Devin Culp, he's just a different body type than Jack Westover. Jack Westover is a lot smaller guy, uh, but Devin's a big athlete. He is, and that would they they the the tight ends in general would be a huge part in being able to kind of open things up on the edges for that round for that ground game to to flourish and to and to really take root, and so. Yeah, I think the you know the tight ends I think are going to obviously be a very important part of of any game plan um, for this offense. But I think we, what we might see today is that the tight ends actually end up being the the ones that spring the bigger runs and allow the allow the Huskies to really control things on offense and allow them to get down the field and uh, and make some big plays. So yeah, I mean. Typically, when you're a tight end, you've got a couple different ways you can affect the game. You can do it that way, or you can, you know, try to catch some passes, whether they're just the short kind of essential, essentially, you know, extended handoffs, or uh, if you can try to get down the seams and really cause issues that way. I know Arizona feels really strong that their tight end, Tanner McLaughlin, is really, really good and has come on late, and he looks he looks like he's going to be a handful but I think Washington with with Culp and Westover and to a certain extent Quentin Moore as well, they've got guys that can that can really do that. And 
that's where you get paid off as a tight end, right? You've been blocking all day, you've been blocking all day, and then all of a sudden they cut you loose, and you can go romp down the field and cause some problems. And I, I, I can see the tight ends having that kind of a day today. Yeah, I can see Michael Penix also. Uh, he, he's uh, the last couple of games, he's, he's been able to just take the offense right down the field like a hot knife through butter on those first drives. And I'm kind of expecting the first thing that to happen again this afternoon. And that's why I say, you know, if you win the toss, take the ball, take the ball, you know, get out in front. Don't give these guys anything, any chance to even get in front of you. Just take the ball and, you know, smash it down their throats like I think that they can. Well, the, here's the real question, though, Kim. If you're Arizona, do you take the ball? If you win the toss, do you take the ball? Would you so give the ball to Michael Penix? Would you give the ball to Penix after what he's done in the last couple of games? Well, this is definitely going to be one of those really weird games where it feels like jumping down in front might even be more important than getting the ball first in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. When's the last, but when's the last time anyone really ever thought that way? I, it's been forever since I can't even remember a game where I would have said, oh, yeah, it's more important to have the ball in the first quarter than the second quarter or than, than the third quarter because, you need, you know, getting out in front is going to be maybe the entire tactic that you have to have to win this game. Yeah, I think Washington plays better as a front runner than coming from behind, Scott. They absolutely do. I mean, when they get a, when they get out in front, I think the defense actually plays better when they get out to a decent size lead. Let's say Washington gets out to a 10, 14 point lead. Let's say they score on their first drive. For some reason, Arizona doesn't score on their next drive. And Washington either kicks a field goal or gets another touchdown. Then Washington's defense seems to play a little bit different. Look what happened with Michigan state. Look what happened with uh, Stanford. I mean, Washington was able to play a lot faster on defense. They were able to attack a little bit more. Uh, the other team starts to panic a little bit. And I don't think, think Arizona's going to panic because, you know what, they don't really run the ball that much. They throw it much more than they run it. And and I think that's going to be huge for Washington is getting out to that big lead, allowing their guys to to kind of get in the backfield and, and uh, harass uh, Jaden DeLara. And, and the thing about Jaden DeLara, he is a playmaker. He's a, that gunslinger, the guy who – the guy who will kind of go with his gut and and uh, make plays and sling the ball around, but he will turn it over. He will throw balls uh, up for grabs, and Washington has got to get their hands on some passes, um, get get at least one or two interceptions this week. I think maybe cause a force a fumble in the backfield when he's kind of careless with the ball, trying to scramble around. I think Washington needs to get get out to that big lead that that because I think that allows their defense to play quicker. Yeah, just when I'm down on the sidelines when Washington's coming from behind and they tie up the score or go ahead and then the defense goes out there and just can't stop anybody, you can just kind of sense the frustration on the offense that, you know, there's a lot more pressure on them because they've got to go out and score because they're behind and then the defense is not able to stop anybody. So that's why I think it's really important to score immediately and, you know, get ahead and not have to have all that pressure on the offense that they have to that we've seen in the last couple of games. Well, let's well, let's flip that to the other side, Kim. Arizona's feeling that as well, and maybe even more so. And I think if like again, I I went and watched this week. I watched the highlights of the of the game between Arizona and Cal, and that's exactly what happened. Cal was able to start extending a little bit in the third and early fourth quarters. And what that did, that put pressure on Jaden Delora to go make plays, and he ended up getting picked twice. 
I can see a similar scenario panning out today where if Washington is able to get out to that early lead, they could start putting him into some situations where he's having to come back. He's the main playmaker. He's got to get the ball to his guys like Cowing and Dorian Singer and um, Tedero McMillan and uh, McLaughlin. He's got to he's got to spread the ball out a little bit, but they've also got to make plays. And the one time, if you listen again, and Jason Chair had some great comments on this, one of the things about Jaden Delora that makes him great is that he can extend plays. It's the reason why their offense has been so explosive, but it's also the reason why he can get caught with his hand in the cookie jar a couple times, and that's where Washington has to make him pay. And if they can do that, that's how you win the game. For those wondering what recruits are going to be there today, uh, just keep an eye on the game day board. We'll be updating who we see on the sidelines. I'm not sure. If, we're not sure if there's any official visitors in this week. Possibly one, it looks like, Scott. One official? Yeah. Uh, not to not to my knowledge, but I could be wrong. All right. Well, just on keep an eye on the, keep an eye on the game day board, and we'll update you on who we see. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not seeing any uh, any any official visitors. I think it's all unofficial visitors that I'm aware of. And it won't be on necessarily the game day board. It's going to be on the uh, live updates. That's usually where we put who who winds up showing up on the sidelines. Chris does a good job of updating that, and and uh, me and our intern uh, extraordinaire Josh Wadka will be on the will be on the field, kind of keeping an eye on what recruits are there. All right. Anything else on recruiting we need to update, Scott? No, not a lot. The coaches aren't going out this week from what I've, uh, you know, didn't go out this week, this weekend to, from what I've been told. And, uh, um, they're, they're, I think they're going to go out maybe the night before the Cal game, um, next week. And I know they're going to be on the road basically all week, uh, for the, uh, bye week. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on. Chris Fetters, wrap it up for us. Yeah. I just think that, uh, this is going to be one of those really rare, Games, if you're a Washington fan, where all of a sudden it's become basketball and grass because the the defense has been so good for so long. And now all of a sudden you're starting to look at these numbers that are coming out and you're like, wow, this is crazy. But, you know, when you're looking at a basketball and grass scenario, you're talking about taking the ball first. You're talking about that being almost as important as getting the ball last uh, in games like that that end up being shootouts. But with two defenses that are really, really, really struggling, it's going to be really incumbent on the offenses to make stuff happen. And that's where games like this, turnovers, sudden change plays are massive. Field position is massive. You've got to make Arizona go 90 yards every time or 80 yards every time. You've got to have them go extended drives where they have to execute every play. And the same obviously goes for Washington. Uh, And and Penix has has done a great job uh, being that guy who can – take the team down the field and has scored a lot of points. So um, I think almost everybody in our predictions, you know, predicted that Washington scored probably around 40 points or so. And I think all of us pretty much expect shootouts as well. So uh, this is going to be a really exciting game today. If you want, if you're, if you're a fan that loves college football fan that loves points (laughs) and you love to see offense, this is going to be the game for you. So it should be very exciting today. But uh, the tactics are still the same in terms of trying to outscore your guy. And I think Washington, in the end, are, are, are going to come up with enough big plays and even a couple big change plays on defense to make that happen. Scott Eklund, wrap it up. 
yeah, it's hard to follow up Chris. I mean, and not repeat everything he said. I, I think Washington, I, I said to even, there might be even an opportunity that these teams will flirt with a hundred points between the two of them. So, uh, it's going to be a high scoring game. Um, I know people are kind of frustrated by that. It's the exact opposite of what we were used to under Jimmy Lake and under, under, uh, Chris Peterson. But, um, I think Washington needs to get out to an early lead. Like we said earlier, I think that helps their defense play fast. I think, um, you know, getting the home cooking, being on turf, and I know you, you that drives some people crazy that I say that, but Washington playing on turf, they just play much faster. And I think being in the the home in front of the home crowd, and and um, you know, it's a midday game, and and I I just think Washington's going to be in a in a uh, good situation when they take the field later today. 2.30 kickoff at Husky Stadium. Washington needs this win after the disappointing loss last week. They were favored in their two previous losses. They were favored at UCLA. They were 13.5-point favorites at Arizona State. This is a big uh, big game for Washington. They need to get that momentum back to go 5-2 and two and then go down to Berkeley where weird things happen in Berkeley. And get into the bye week with a 6-2 and two record would be huge for the program and give them a week off. We off to heal because they desperately need it. Uh, basketball, just what's coming up with basketball. We've got media day coming up. Um, it's a week from Wednesday will be media day down in uh, San Francisco. So that's coming up upon us as well. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs> Sunday after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.